Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. This is a piece of art from Belfast that I really like, so I just wanted to show it off. <laughs> so I, I made it float. Waiting on the sun. All right, folks, we'll wait, give you all a few minutes to get here. Um, I'll post Paul right there. You can have a look at him. I'm going to get a soda. All right, folks, today, 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 is the, the, um, the end as we know it. Um, good morning, Zoe. Good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. Are you guys ready? I said, are you ready? <laughs> this is the most preacher I'm going to get. Are you ready to accept? <laughs> are you ready to accept? Are you ready to accept? <laughs> that you are accepted. <laughs> Sorry, the organist took the day off, so uh, you just have to get me. <laughs> Old Evangelical J. We are accepted. <laughs> Come again. We are accepted. All right, so that's not me mocking. I used to go to a church that we did that, and we did this, and we sang, and all sorts of stuff like that, so... Um, and actually it was where I learned about grace. So, you know, you never know folks. I should have asked, am I ready? Because I have 15 copies of You Are Accepted. I tried to share the one today and I think I may have sat it. Oh, boom. There it is. Um, What a week. So um, a lot of cool things are happen happening. Um, some of you are wondering what this is. This is one of my favorite artists in Belfast. This guy, Leroy, he, he does these paintings all over Belfast. And um, this is one of his. I don't know why he did. It's not signed, which is not cool, but... <laughs> Yeah, so I got this in Belfast. It was fun trying to get that home. Um, he does a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, there's he does a, he did another piece like that's way up there. See that TV set? Yeah. So anyhow, that's my Belfast silly Belfast art. Um. So anyway, here we are. Uh, the dream we all dream of. Finally. 
finally, finally, finally gotten to uh, this. But what I was going to tell you is, so I finished up this week on my work with my the um, the uh, the the dock that I've been working on for a long time. Um, and uh, basically, you know, something cool's about to happen and come out, and and it could be helpful to our community as well. We'll see. So I'm excited about that. Um, just a little reminder of who we're, we're studying. I mean, today is the end of, of the uh, You Are Accepted talk on Paul Tillich. Um, I wish it was like Galatians and could go for four weeks. You really probably could go for four weeks on an in-depth study on it. Um, but this, the today's part is just like, I feel like it's kind of cut into two parts and it's like sin and grace. And I feel like we kind of covered sin last week and now we're covering grace. But Paul Tillich, here's Paul Tillich again on the cover of Time Magazine. Um, really interesting guy. Uh, kicked out of Germany um, by Nazis. Uh, interesting because I was having some discussion this week with some folks online about these Nazi Christians in Florida, and I'm just saying, like, they're not, you know, technically you can't, it's an oxymoron, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but they felt like a lot of people were being too silent about it, but I'm proud to say we're here with a guy, who, we're talking about a guy, reading a guy's sermon who got kicked out of Germany by the Nazis, and I also think it's kind of ironic that in the church today we have to say that we're anti-white supremacy or anti Nazis. I mean, it, that should be a given, you know. I remember when um, the class used to say they were, you know, we're anti-racist, we're anti-this, anti-that, and I'd always feel like, I mean, shouldn't that sometimes be a given of that we we stand against um, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and and like, so some of you might go down the rabbit hole to study Tillich, and this is one of the things I wanted to say about Paul Tillich is his his work is very tough like it's very tough but he has he has these three different um he has three different books on uh he has another book he has this one which is the shaking of the foundations and another one called the new being and then another one called the eternal now and um they're all sermon books and they're really good they're collections of his talks um but like his like Shaking the Foundations is good. I mean, but like his, like, other books um, are really, really tough to read. Like, The Courage to Be is probably his most popular book, and that's a tough one to read. And it's been wild to see people, like mainstream people being like, you know, um, mainline people being like, I can't believe you're reading Paul Tillich. Nobody reads Paul Tillich. Paul Tillich got canceled at us about a certain time because of his, his, uh, his, him and his wife's sexuality, basically. And, um, I don't, I've read about Tillich's life and I've read a little bit of his wife's autobiography, uh, a biography, and I've read, uh, biographies written by, T he, he's such an interesting guy. You know, he was like a chaplain in World War One. I. I think that was also one of the reasons it was very hard for him to be kicked out of his country. I mean, how do you get kicked out of your... Could you imagine getting a phone call being like, hey, yeah, this is a U.S., the United States of America. We we need you to leave. We, we wear... The United States. Um, 
so he was kicked out. Um, highly intelligent guy, but it's 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 wild because a lot of people like when I first started talking about Tillich a couple years ago, um, you know, the you know the, I used to have these really strange like very like Calvinist critics who did like these podcasts and so they would like play clips of revolution and then talk about why I was wrong and, and they have to have a field day with Tillich but not because of his work he's got solid work but because of his life in some of the areas of his life and uh problem is is we don't realize sometimes how good work is and, and we need to realize like these people left great work his personal life you know really doesn't interest me as much as what he did here um it's somewhat interesting but but uh you know i know he had lots of issues with his mothers and his mother growing up and things like that like so from a psychological point of view it's very interesting but um so those are the two things you're going to find when you go down the Tillich trail is that some of his books are hard to read and then there's some people are going to be like because somebody just recently was like, well, you know, Jay, he, his wife was, they said his wife was a lesbian, which I don't know if that was true or not. And that he was, you know, had some sexual issues and he made other people really nervous. And I was like, I knew some of this, but once again, you know, this, the work is what's important to me in these books. And people will use your life to discount your work. Um, but I have to just say, you know, we all fall short. So there you go. So put that, I'm going to put that right out there because people like to discount people any way possible. Um, matter of fact, it's like, I feel like I've been mocked by every type of Christian. Um, even recently, you know, I was talking to an ex-Christian saying, well, I want to change the church. I want to see the church become a safer place, you know, a place of community. And, and they were like, well, just, you know, let me know when that happens, you know? And I was like, like, what? You know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, just let me, like being really sarcastic, like mocking me, like, let me know when that happens. I mean, basically, and then they said, you're inviting people into a burning building. And it was just like, so weird to get mocked from like the conservatives and from the liberals and from Christians and now ex-Christians. You know, and the atheists have always given me a hard time. Like, well, not the not regular atheists, but like the new atheists. But it's just so stinking weird. Like, like there's no place to go. So one of the things I wanted to say to you guys today, right as we got into this, is about being accepting oneself. Is like we often hear hurt people hurt people, and one of the things. I would say that I would like to see us as a community work on, as a gathering, if you will, work on, is let's not let that be true for us. Let's, I mean, let's work on that. You know, let's try to be the hurt people that don't hurt people. Like we don't attack people, you know. Letting people have other points of opinion is a strength. It's when you shut other people down for thinking differently than you that that, sh that kind of shows your fear, your anger, your hurt. You know, like how can we allow ourselves to cope and deal and heal, but at the same time not lash out at others and um, really make a change? Like this is tough work, and part of tough the tough work 
is is talking to people like adults you know and i'm we talk a lot about revolution at revolution here is that how do we argue well um and unfortunately we i've had to realize that there's some people who don't even want to talk well and much less know how to argue you know so it's 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 very tough Zoe points out you know we can be angry and still do no harm and that's so true you know um I guess for me, I've always been so melancholy that my anger usually turns into depression and sadness. You know, I've never been one that like completely had the chip on my shoulders because I've always been so melancholy about my anger. And I guess that's why sometimes I have a hard time dealing with angry people, you know? And sometimes that anger, their anger will click into something that where I get angry for the moment, you know what I mean? Where the, where the, where the you know. The adrenaline kicks in. Um, but let's look at this. Let's look at what Tillich says and let's see what we can use, use that to help other people. But I think, you know, we're really, you know, my hope is that folks who, who come across revolution uh, leave with the idea of that we can do better, that we can do better, that we can treat each other better and that the world can be better and um, we can learn to to disagree well and uh, not let our anger get the best of us. But it's a tough, tough thing to do. Um, you know, one of the things that helps me is just knowing that I don't want to be as angry as the people who were angry. Like, I don't want to be like others treat me. I don't want to treat others like I've been treated and a lot of times, you know. And when I see people who've left Christianity acting as angry and, and in, as exclusive as Christians, it, it troubles me. It says there's more, there's something more to it than just even Christianity. So it's worth looking at as like, you, we often become what we hate and we don't even realize it, you know. Um, it, it's just like a mirror, you know, the image is reversed, but we're just yelling at the, you know, we become what we hate. Um... So I was trying to think, I think where we, le we left off uh, was where he was taught, where Dr. Tillich, <laughs> Paul Tillich was talking about, um, about estrangement and where sin is most profound, sin is despair amongst us. So I think where we're at is we're... Um, I'm going to read this. The abyss of separation, I think this is where he left off. The abyss of separation is always visible, but it has become more visible to our generation than to the preceding generations because of our feelings of meaninglessness and emptiness, doubt and cynicism. All expressions of despair of our separation from the root and the meaning of our life. Sin in its most profound sense Sin is despair, and it abounds amongst us. So sin, once again, you know, remember Tillich's talking about sin as separation. Separation from each other, separation from ourselves, separation from the ground of being, which is kind of how he sees what God is for him. You know, so we've got this concept of, I'm going to just see if I can find another thing. 
Life is separated from life. Estrangement prevails amongst all things that live. Sin abounds. You know, so we are, and he goes on to say, we are also separated from ourselves. So we've cleared that. Yeah, so this kind of separation. And he also says it, it, it's not right to say our sins, you know, a plural, but the sin, and the sin is separation. It's, it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to keep reading, and hopefully we'll, we'll finish this thing today. Let's go. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, says Paul in the same letter into which he describes the unmanageable power of separation and self-destruction within society and the individual soul. He does not say these words because of sentimental interests demand a happy ending for everything tragic. He says them because they describe the most overwhelming and dis determining experience of his life. And the picture of Jesus as the Christ, which appeared to him at the, most, at the moment of his greatest separation, we're talking about Apostle Paul right now, from other men, from himself and God, he found himself accepted in spite of his being rejected. Did you hear that? And the picture, this is talking about Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus. In the picture of Jesus as the Christ, which appeared to him, at the moment of his greatest separation from other men, from himself and God, he found himself accepted in spite of being rejected. And when he found that he was accepted, he was able to accept himself and to be reconciled to others. So what this is saying is that moment that Paul found his own acceptance, he was able to be reconciled to others. And I think what we're going to find out here is something that's very powerful and it's not just powerful for, you know, it's like Jesus, not just for Christians anymore, you know, grace, not just for Christians anymore or whatever. You know, it's like this acceptance is very powerful until it really clicks into it. And you've got to remember, this is a man who spent his life understanding not only theology, but philosophy. He's one of the deepest thinkers and probably the greatest theologian of the 20th century. So let's, you know, not take these words lightly. This is someone who you know, was kicked out of Germany by Hitler, okay? This is a person who also lived life and lived life well. So, you know, he, he, he had to learn English and do these things, kicked out of his own country. So he knows what suffering's like. And he's like, well, he's probably not kinky and crazy like I am. Well, guess what he was, you know? So this guy's done everything. This guy's been through a lot. Um, <laughs> covers all the bases. Um, haphazardly human, you know, he would have done well at revolution. Um, and he says, so Paul was able to accept himself and to be reconciled to others. The moment in which, hear him, this is the moment in which grace struck him and overwhelmed him, he was reunited to that which he belonged, from which he was estranged and utter strangerness. I like that, utter strangerness. I like grace struck when he was grace struck. And then he was reunited with something that is utter strain, you know, uh, what did it say? Utter strain, with his utter strangerness. Now, we often talk here about things like repentance and things like that, which is actually a turn or a turning your face or turning away or turning towards something new. And, and there's something within acceptance that sets you free. I will honestly say that my life changed 
when my friends, when my friend D.E. told me about grace and told me to read the book of Galatians and told me that grace was true and I didn't believe him. And, uh, you know, I was drinking every day. I had a normal job. I was living my life. I would quit quit revolution for a year. I was done with ministry. I couldn't, didn't know what to do. I thought God hated me. You know, I thought Christians were all assholes and judgmental. And I thought that must be kind of God's image. I think that's what we often do is we, you know, create God in the, not in our own image, but in the image of others in the church. We create God in the people's image. You know, oh, so God must, these people are jerks. So God must be a jerk, you know, or Jesus must be a jerk or whatever. And that's kind of what I was doing. Um, even though my mother and father kind of sent me a very different message about Jesus and Christianity. So, um, and so reading Paul's words of you are, you know, this kind of you are accepted thing. I mean, it set me so free that all the legalism, all the hurt, all the pain just started to, and I started to realize like legalism is people. Like, you know, like Soylent Green, it's people. <laughs> I started to realize legalism is people. This, this judgmental sin record keeping shit show is people. It's humanity. It's human nature in a lot of ways. It's not my, it's not Jesus. It's not what Paul's talking about. It's people. It's what Paul's warning me about. And that's not to say people are shit. It's just sometimes they can be. I mean, if you've been on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that or watched the news or been alive for longer than 20 years, you probably got that idea that not everybody's great. Now we can cause a lot of trouble for each other. So this happened to me. But what was even greater than this was that I was accepted. I was accepted by something that I didn't even understand. I was accepted by something greater than myself. And all of a sudden, it wasn't, it didn't matter, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I, we, I had been estranged and utter strangeness my whole life. And all of a sudden it was like, now this was when I was 20. I would think, I would probably say it differently now, but let's see how I would have said it when I was in my 20s was, oh, I thought God hated me because, or was angry and disappointed in me because I was a drunk. And now I realize God loves me the same way if I'm a drunk or if I'm Billy Graham. This is how I thought then, you know, preaching to the billions, you know, the thousands and, you know, Telling the world about gospel, or if I'm like at the club, like, woo, you know, I was free. It just didn't matter. And this is something that frightens conservatives and frightens liberals. Liberals are afraid you're not going to do social justice work, and conservatives are afraid you're going to dance at the club all night, whatever. That's okay. You can both be afraid, and have, but, but grace doesn't come with an asterisk. Remember that. Okay, let's go back to Tillich. So, and from which he was estranged in utter strangeness. Do we know what it means to be struck by grace? I have a feeling like 
Grace struck or struck by grace is going to be a new revolution sticker. Um, do we know what it means to be struck by grace? It does not mean, now this, this, is, this is the best part, folks, and this is why I wanted you guys to read this. this um, um, I wanted you to read this. This online. Google it, read it, read Paul Tillich, you are accepted because you can't get enough of this. You need to get a highlighter. You need to highlight it, especially this part here. Do you know what it means to be struck by grace? This is the big one, so please turn your ears on. If you're listening to this online or watching it on YouTube, not live, <laughs> re repeat this part. This is the important part. This is the part that's going to change your life change others' lives, and this is the message that this whole thing, that my whole work is, is based on and what grace is about, okay, folks? So here it comes. Are you ready? Drum roll. Do we know what it means to be struck by grace? Are you ready? It does not mean that we suddenly believe that God exists. Did my Calvinist brothers and sisters just fall out of the chair? <laughs> um, stand up, guys. Get <laughs> Shake it off. Hear it again. Hear it again. It does not mean that we suddenly believe that God exists or that Jesus is the Savior. What? Or that Jesus is the Savior? Look, I, we had numbers falling already. People are going like, Heresy. All right, all right, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> it does not mean that we are suddenly believe that God exists or that Jesus is the Savior or that the Bible contains the truth. Now, I want this to sink in. I mean, I almost, I'm, I mean, like, I'm tempted to just be like, Finish the rest next week. See you next week. But I have the kids, so I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to try to be dramatic, that dramatic this week. But um, it does not mean that we suddenly believe that God exists or that Jesus is the Savior or that the Bible contains the truth. All right? Hear this. This is not what being accepted by grace means, all right? This is why it's radical. This is why revolution is going to is doing the best to find the most, you know, radical work and ideas that that in the radical truth to bring it here. And this is what we need to be living and talking and telling people about. Like this is the type of thing that these, you know, folks who've been abused by Christianity need to hear. You know? And 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 Freaking people who are abusing others need to hear. They need to, we need to push this. We need to make them question. We need to make them pick up books and actually study and not just study whatever their denominational guide is. You know? Like, to believe, I'm continuing here, to believe that something is, is almost contrary to the meaning of grace. Okay? Hear this again. To believe that something is, is almost, almost, contrary to the meaning of grace. All right, I'm going to continue on. Now. Just please let this like sink in. Furthermore, grace does not mean simply 
that we are making progress in our moral self-control, which what I thought was it was all about growing up as a kid, does not mean we're making progress in our moral self-control in our fight against spe specific faults and in, our, and in our relationships to men and women and to society, moral progress may be a fruit of grace. Okay, here this. Moral progress may be a fruit of grace, but it is not grace itself, and it can even prevent us from receiving grace. You see that? I mean, often we have good runs of our moral... I think that's why we see sometimes people like televangelists, like my parents and stuff, have these big falls, is that we do get this moral... surround by the right people, and all of a sudden everything... We think we can do it, and we're telling other people to do it, and then one minute reality hits in, and we, we crumble. And we've based all of our lives on earning grace, earning salvation, earning acceptance and then realize that you know it's all based on works, and, and that's when we realize it's a lie. You know, it, it, uh, Stephen Smith says, I'm not in for this, homie. Well, stick with it. Can you stick with it? Because we're here to disagree well. Stick with it and listen, because it might be something that actually transforms you. It transformed me, and I've spent my life being a pastor because of this. So if you can stick with it, this talk, that would be great. You don't need to fear it because I haven't finished even reading it. You know? Save your applause or booze till the end of the show. Moral progress may be a fruit of grace, but is not grace itself, and it can even prevent us from receiving grace. Now hear this. Because what I want to say is about this is, to my friend who just posted that they weren't into this, um... Just you, You've got to listen to this where Tillich says, moral progress may be a fruit of grace. I will promise you this. It is. Okay? Moral progress may be fr a fruit of grace. Grace does something that transforms you. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. I was able to get sober when I realized that it didn't matter, didn't feel like it mattered to me if God thought I was drunk or not was the first time because the... the um, what was it when they when they banned alcohol? Um, you know, it, it, it was the for, the forbidden fruit was all of a sudden not forbidden. It was like this is what you know. All is beneficial, not all is. I mean, all is permissible, but not all is beneficial. Is what happened to me. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, well, I can do anything, but it doesn't benefit me. And what I wanted to do when I realized I was accepted no matter what, I wanted, I wanted things that were beneficial in my life. This is called trusting God and the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit, as we've been taught growing up. This kind of acceptance works within us and does something to us and does transform us. But this is the pro prohibition. It gets rid of the prohibition. Thank you, Charlie. It takes the prohibition and throws it away. Because what we're hearing is, oh, I've got to believe more. I've got to think more. I've got to... No, the prohibition... For there is too often a graceless acceptance of Christian doctrine and a graceless battle against the structure of evil in our personalities. Now hear this. This is Tillich talking. 
for there is too often a graceless acceptance of Christian doctrine and a graceless battle against the structure of evil in our personalities. Such a graceless relation to God may lead us by necessity either to arrogance or to despair. It would be better to refuse God and the Christ and the Bible than to accept them without grace. Now that one might make you want to leave. Any of you leave. <laughs> but Tillich's telling the truth here. Why, why are people, why have we been hurt in the church? What have we, we've weaponized theology. We've weaponized Jesus. We've weaponized the law, you know? And it says such graceless rela relation to God may lead us by necessity either to arrogance or to despair. Now, for me, it led me to despair, a graceless relationship with God. It made me feel despaired and beat myself. No, nothing happened. But if you look at someone uh, like Mark Driscoll, he uses everybody as an example, so he can be used as an example. If you look at someone like Mark Driscoll, he's, he's arrogant. He has a great arrogance about himself. So a lot of people leave the church in despair because there's no grace to be found. And grace is the essence of this idea of this faith, believe it or not. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm, that's what, that's what, um, that's what, uh, I think Paul talked about um, to, uh, yeah, when, when Paul in the Galatians is talking about the law, you know, grace was before the law. Such graceless relation to God may lead us to necessity, either to arrogance or to despair. It would be better for us to refuse God and Christ in the Bible than to accept them without grace. And this is the thing is that you just have a lot of people who've had an experience of a graceless religion, a graceless God, a graceless community, and of course they've left in despair and so either they're angry or they're hurt and they want nothing to do with it. To the point where people like me, like, hey, everybody's in, it's cool, no hell, how do you want to do it, you know? And then they look at me and go like, I used to believe what you believe and I can't stand it. Or like I chimed in on this ex-Christian thing yesterday about saying, hey, we're not all this way. And they just attack me, you know, and they were angry at me and I tried to have a conversation and they were really not having it. And, and, and yeah, I get it because they... They've experienced a graceless God, a graceless Christianity, uh, Christianity without grace. And Tillich, one of the smartest people on earth, says it right here, one of the smartest theologians of the 20th century, I'm not going to say earth, but 20th century, says it right here, is that when you don't have grace in this stuff, it becomes a weapon, either for yourself, that you use on yourself, or you use for others. It takes the humanity out of it. Like, graceless religion is almost like how having just relationships online. There's just, the, there's something that's robbed from it that just isn't there that doesn't allow it to go to another, the next level. I'm going to read that one more time because I think it's too, too important for us not to understand this. For there is too often a graceless acceptance of Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. For there is too often a graceless acceptance of Christian doctrine and a graceless battle against the structures of evil in our personalities. Such a graceless relation to God may lead us by necessity either to arrogance or to despair. 
It would be better for us to refuse God and the Christ and the Bible than to accept them without grace. For if we accept without grace, we do so in the state of separation and can only succeed in depending the, separ the separation. You cannot transform our lives unless we allow them to be transformed by that stroke of grace. Um, this, you know, the, the stroke of grace... I mean, this is basically, this is saying like there's so many, like there's so many things that we've had. We, there's so many people who've accepted, I mean, my parents barely understood what Christianity, I mean, grace was. And when I told my dad about grace and, and when I was 20 and I'd call him on the phone and he always told me that they felt like it was too good to be true, that grace was just too good to be true. So it was always kind of put on the back burner. You know what I mean? And um, when I spoke in like all these Christian festivals, which were like, oh, the edgiest Christians of them all. Everybody was like, oh, you're preaching too much grace. Oh, it's the devil's going to take advantage of that. Oh, it's a slippery slope. You know, oh, all this stuff. And it's crazy because none of those festivals even exist anymore. Yet, <laughs> you know, here I'm still chairing in their way, barely. But the idea is that, like, they were afraid of grace. You know, and they didn't want to give grace and they needed control, you know. And, and so they, you know, it's... It, they focused on all these minors and everybody's, you know, they became like this, the, the hall monitors of, of grace and like, oh, oh, make sure there's no girls at the, down by the pool wearing bikinis, you know, you know, they, they spoke, there was no grace, so no one could live. And they put up impossible standards. Everything that's talked about, you put an impossible standards on these people and you turn them twice the sons of hell that you are. You know, because if you look at people, like a lot of people in the anti-LGBT community, like sometimes like when they're talking about their anti, the anti-gay stuff, you'd think they would be like, oh, I hate this, I don't make the rules, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, but sometimes it's like they've got like their saliva and is like dripping down their teeth because they're so eager to be like, and God doesn't want you to be a sinful transgender person. You know what I mean? And like they're like getting off on it and it's scary because that is without grace. You just... What gets you off is the law and the rules and these regulations that you can't live up to and that nobody else can live up to. And so you create a new law. I mean, this is what the book of Galatians was all about. We've talked about, we just got out of. And now we have Paul Tillich here warning us what Christianity without grace is a horrible thing. And I think most of us have lived most of our lives with the Christianity with no grace. So what are we doing at Revolution is we are bringing grace back in to the world, back into Christianity, but back into the world, period. Not just into the church, but into the world, letting people know you are accepted. I'm sorry, I just missed a comment up there. Not done. For if we accept without grace, we do not, we do so in a state of separation. We cannot transform our lives unless we allow them to be transformed by that stroke of grace. It happens, now listen to this, or it does not happen. And certainly it does not happen if we try to force it upon ourselves. Do you hear that? This is cool stuff. This is like kind of why good news, guys. I know some of you probably think this is complete heresy. And I'm just saying give it a chance. Think about it. Let it soak in. I promise this guy's got more... Uh, more, what are those things? He's graduated from more places than we have. <laughs> um you know, Ivy League towers.
all that kind of stuff. Um, doesn't happen if we try to force it upon ourselves. Just as it shall not happen, so as long as we think it is our self-compliancy that we have no need for it. And often people go through thinking they have no need for grace in their lives. You know, um, that's for, like grace is just for sinners. You know, grace is just for those people who want to get in. And then you got to get your life ready and get it together. You know, grace strikes us. Now, some people say like, well, I mean, would people want to do anything and not works? Paul Tillich was one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s biggest heroes, theolo favorite theologians, okay? So that's another thing. Like, So he, you know, people who read his books ch helped change the world, you know, read this guy's theologies and philosophies. So this isn't somebody who's just saying like, and just sit at home all day and it'll be cool. You know, this is not what Paul Tillich was saying. That's why I want people to know this. Like, what get Germans don't kick other Germans out of Germany. Nazis didn't just kick other Germans out without a reason, without someone being a threat. This idea of grace is scary. If someone you know is listening on, I'm not surely sure what grace is. Let me. Grace is the fact that you are accepted. You are accepted by that which is greater than yourself. You know? And so grace, for a lot of people, has been seen as unmerited favor or undeserved favor. It's also been translated from. Or it's the free gift given to, to us by God, which is just the love and acceptance and pure love and acceptance. Some people say we're saved by grace, not by works, which means it's a gift. Nothing we can do about it. All we can do is receive it. You know, that's it. Um, and what Paul Tillich is doing here with grace is he's trying to take grace to a f the next level of saying, like, it's, I mean, it really is all, like, if you're, it's what the Christian message is based on. Um, and so grace is like this idea of what it, how, you know, acceptance, pure acceptance. And now Tillich is taking this concept of grace and saying it's, better and deeper than we know. This, this exception, this inclusion is bigger than we understand because it really is what conquers sin because it frees us from being separated from ourselves and separated from others. Grace just gives us this ability to just sit and breathe and go and know and be. You are accepted. You can be. You are loved by that greater than yourself. And for most of us, a lot of us listening here, that's God. But, but what he's saying is even you don't have to understand that more. You don't have to believe that more. You have to just get to the point where you know you're accepted. You know, I remember when I came out as being gay affirming, uh, one of my board members said, God and the Holy Spirit are against you. And I turned to him because I knew, read a, this part of this book in another book, in, 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 in Brendan Manning's book, and I looked at my board member friend and friend and said, no, 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 the Father is quite fond of me because I knew where I stood. You know, um, it's quite exciting. It's quite freeing, but it's quite scary. First, I'll admit, like, I, my friends first started telling me about grace in my late teens, early 20s. I thought, this is, you know, a slippery slope, you know, whatever helps you sleep at night, you know. If this is how you want to get away with your sinful lifestyle, then go for it. Until I was desperate and so full of self-hate 
in so much pain and so much depression that I was looking for anything. And I said, dude, if the grace is real, to my friend who was a pastor at the time, I said, if this grace is true, prove it to me. Prove it to me in the Bible, though. Because he'd already proven it to me in his life. I mean, like, by loving and being friendly to me and being my roommate. But I said, prove it to me. And he said, read Galatians. Read Romans. Read Corinthians. Read these books. Tell me what you see. So I found out about grace from someone showing me and then going into the Bible and reading about it. And then I found out, you know, by how deep it goes by reading Greek and Hebrew and reading philosophers and theologians and different things like that, you know. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the church aren't taught this, don't believe this, or their denomination isn't really, you know, well, we like grace, but, you know, because it's the law. It makes sense, you know. Uh, grace doesn't make sense. Grace covers all. Grace is like anarchy, so it loves everybody, you know. And I think one of the things we always try to do with grace is we try to put that asterisk on it so we can say, like, well, they love my group. They love the, the conservatives. Or they love the liberals, <laughs> not the conservatives. Grace is a liberal thing, so we get it and you don't. No. Everybody gets grace. There's no asterisk to buy grace. And that's why I always say grace is anarchy. This is why I had this little ring made that says it's grace, but the A is an anarchy symbol because grace says, nope, you're all accepted. You are accepted. So if you're struggling with this today, I understand it, and you're struggling with the idea of grace, I'm going to tell you right now, the one thing I, I hope you get from this is that you're accepted, that you leave from this feeling accepted, and you don't let anybody else take that from you. All right, I'm going to try to get in and finish this, folks. Um, we cannot... Okay, grace does not happen if we try to force it upon ourselves, just as it shall not happen so long as we think in our self-compliancy that we have no need of it. Grace strikes us. Now, this is, might be another point. Listen to this. Just, just hear it out. That's what I'm saying. Like, you may disagree with this, but... It might be confusing, but just hear it out. And listen to part one, too, because Paul, does, Paul Tillich does talk a little bit about what grace is and isn't. Um, grace strikes us when we are in great pain and restlessness. It strikes us when we walk through the dark valley of meaninglessness and empty life. And that's true how I found out about grace. It strikes us when we feel that our separation is deeper than usual because we have violated another life, a life which we loved or from which we were estranged. You hear this? Like, this is deep. You know, me going through divorces, my last divorce, I've been married twice and divorced twice. My last divorce, I mean, I remember weeping in my shower, feeling this great estrangement from not just me but from God and from everyone around me and I remember thinking that is this what Jesus felt when he said my God my God why have you abandoned me it was the only thing that kind of like transformed me it strikes us when our disgust for our own being I think we've all been there especially if you grew up in the church it strikes us when we are disgusted for our own being our indifference our weakness our hostilities and our lack of direction and composure have become intolerable to us. Like, God, like, life, right? It strikes us when year after year, the longed-for perfection 
of life does not appear. When the old convulsions reign within us, as they have for decades, when despair destroys all joy and courage. I mean, how many of us have been there and see people who are there and they're working their lives, they're working. I mean, I watch my father just continue to build buildings to please God. You know, I've seen so many people and they just don't know what to do because they just are destroyed. That destroys our joy and courage. It makes us feel like we're worthless. I mean, when I told you while we were staying here as a community of revolution, it was one of those things where I was realized that I was doing is these old compulsions had come back and they were destroying my joy and courage. And so when I decided to just give up and allow revolution to be accepted for what revolution was, boom, I was accepted. You know, I was like, it was like, oh, revolution is what it is. Okay, we can do it now with joy and courage. Sometimes at the moment a wave of light breaks into our darkness and it is as though a voice were saying, you are accepted, you are accepted, accepted by that which is greater than you and the name of which you do not know. Listen to this, folks. Do not ask the name for now. Perhaps you will find it later. Do not try to do anything now. Perhaps later you will do much. Do not seek for anything. Do not perform anything. Do not intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted. If that happens to us, we experience grace. Here it is. If that happens to us, we experience grace. After such an experience, we may not be better than before, and we may not believe more than before, but everything is transformed. I've, honestly, I'm, this, is, this has been all true in my life. This is why I've ended my, one of my, my second book. I put this whole talk in my, at the end of my second book because I think it's that important. But everything is transformed in that moment of grace. Grace conquers sin, and reconcil reconciliation bridges the gulf of estrangement. Do you hear that? Reconciliation bridges the gulf of estrangement. And nothing is demanded of this experience. No religious or moral or intellectual presuppositions. Pres 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 nothing but acceptance. You hear that? Nothing. Acceptance. You are accepted. Accept that you are accepted. This is the... The, the core of my mother's message, when I think about it, she was always just wanted to be like, Jesus loves you. And my dad was always like, Jesus loves you, he really does. My mom was always like, Jesus loves you, God doesn't make any junk, and we're all made of the same old stuff, just dirt, you know. The idea is you are accepted. You are accepted, that your morality has nothing to do with your acceptance. These poor teachers and preachers who are so confused and misguided by uh, bad theology, angry theology, <laughs> anger and hurt, who have a graceless religion, who are trying to force this change on us for us to prove anything. Yes, the Bible says you'll be known by your fruit, but then when you look at fruit and go, peace and patience and kindness, what? But you can't have those things unless you accept that you are accepted. And when you realize you're accepted, weird things start to happen because you start to see other people as accepted.
And you start to see other people not as horrible people, but as misguided or misinformed or, oh, they don't realize they're accepted. They're still trying to get it, you know? That, that's why a lot of those religion, like for a lot of Christianity belief systems just automatically always are going to end with an explosion and fall apart because it's not based on the fact that you are accepted and not like acceptance that's not based on change. What? We think everything is about change in this world. Production and, and, and capitalism and indie, you know, fill the empty void and feel, no, ex you are accepted. Even with the empty void, you are accepted. I know this is hard to believe, but it's the one part of Christianity that doesn't do the bait and switch. It doesn't go like, you know, the Lord's Prayer, like, hey, you know, come up here, it's a free gift. And then, you know, now you have to give your whole life to Jesus and work hard for him. You're going, wait, I just, so you gave me a free car, but I have to pay for it. And this just says, you're accepted. Here's the car, enjoy it. Taxes, everything, done, taken care of, just, it's yours, gas is free, whatever. You know, you are accepted. There is nothing expected of you. You are accepted. And I believe that acceptance comes from Christ, from God. So I believe it's, that it could be that very essence of what God is, that ground of being, is grace, in my opinion. All right, well, we'll finish it. Let Paul finish it. Jay's got to shut up. And, no, and nothing is demanded of this experience, no religious or moral or intellectual presumption, nothing but acceptance. In this light of grace, we receive the power of grace in our relation to others and to ourselves. We experience the grace of being able to look frankly into the eyes of another, the miraculous grace of reunion, of life with life. It's what we often talk about, importance of arguing well, uh, seeing people. <laughs> the miraculous grace of reuni reunion, of life with life. We experience the grace of understanding each other's words. We understand not merely the literal meaning of the words, but we also that which lies behind them. Even when they are harsh, listen to this, even when they are harsh and angry, for even then there is a longing to break through the walls of separation. You know, when I'm, I'm longing to break through the walls of separation, I know I got my, my buddy Zoe there who also, who also feels that way. So sometimes I'm like, hey, can you help me? Because I need somebody who also wants to break through the walls of separation, but be kind. And you're the one person I know that's way kinder than me. <laughs> Not the one, I know a few. Um, but he's good at it. They're good at it, sorry. Um, we experience the grace of being able to accept the life of another, even if it be hostile and harmful to us. For through grace, we know that it belongs to the same ground to which we belong and by which we have been accepted. Do you hear this? It's like mind-boggling what it does, why we talk about arguing well. It all comes down to grace. We experience grace that which is able to overcome the tragic separation of the sexes, of the generations, of the nations, of the races, and the utter strangeness between man and nature. Sometimes grace appears in all these separations to reunite us with those to whom we belong. For life belongs to life. How anybody can be a part of a religion. 
<laughs> like Christianity, and think somehow people are separate and spirit, you know, going to go to hell and burn and for destruction, and that the world isn't worth this or that. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, to me, this is what grips me: is that you know, for life belongs to life. We belong to one another. And in the light of this grace, we perceive the power of grace in our relation to ourselves. We experience moments in which we accept ourselves because we feel that we have been accepted by that which is greater than we. If only more such moments were given to us. For it is such a moment that we make us love our life that makes us accept ourselves, not in our goodness and self-compliancy, but in our certainty of eternal meaning of our life. We cannot force ourselves to accept ourselves. We cannot compel anyone. This is true. <laughs> I try. <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we cannot compel anyone to accept themselves. But, something, some, but sometimes it happens that we receive the power to say yes to ourselves. That peace enters into us and makes us whole. That self-hate and self-contempt despair, and that ourself is united with itself, then we can say that grace has come upon us. If anybody, like, really knows me, you know, if you were to talk to Pete Rollins, for example, or maybe Amanda, my first wife, maybe even my second wife, but, you know, and a few other people, but where it says thyself hates thyself, contempt disappears. You know, like I struggled with that for so long and still struggle with that, but it's grace that says grace that comes up, has it come upon me when, you know, we can say, when I can realize that grace is there, I can give it for myself, you know, because often I can, you start to get better at giving it to others, but so you've got to remember to give it to yourself because it gives you the strength to love others better and love others at another level. And that's when you start to change the world. And that's when so when someone, you know, recently who mocked me and said, oh, well, let me know when you fix the church. <laughs> well, guess what? That was like putting coals into the fire for me because of grace. I'm like, All right, I'll let you know. You know, <laughs> watch the ticker tape. They'll probably announce it. <laughs> grace is kind of a sin and grace are strange words, but they are not strange things. We find them whenever we look into ourselves with searching eyes and longing hearts. They determine our life. They abound with us and in all of our life. May grace more abound within us. Paul Tillich, you are accepted. I'm shaking the foundations. Thanks for listening. It's been wild to watch the comments and everybody who's come in and come out. Um, this, is, this is literally what you've just heard is the essence of what this work is and what the essence of what this work is trying to get out there and trying to do and trying to have the ramifications of this. Um, you know, so well, uh, someone just said, I feel like we're a part of Revolution Church because we are a revolution gathering or whatever we're calling ourselves today, but it, we are, you know, you are. We are part of it. We're, this, we make this. It's not, I don't make this, we make this. You going out there every day. I'm not going to change the world. We're going to change the world. Right? Pray emoji. Finger cross emoji. Wink emoji. Um, but yeah, you can read this. You can get this. This whole talk is available if you go to Google and you just go, you are accepted. Uh, Paul Tillich. You know, there's his name. 
Paul Tillich. I think if you just put in you are accepted, it's the first thing that comes up on the Google search. So you can read it and get out, you know, print it out, get a highlighter, go through it. I mean, that's just to give you an idea how I did it. You know, it's like literally like, obviously I wasn't playing around with this, you know, because the rest of the book is like, I was just like, I got to find a copy I haven't destroyed and now I've destroyed this copy. So I keep destroying copies every time I talk about it because I want to make sure I find something new. Um, hey, we can't do this without you. If you go to revolutionchurch.com, you can support us by going there and making a donation or you can just share this with other people, retweet it with other people. And um, if you really want to do something, is what I hope is, is that people leave here today or who've left here today or wherever you're at listening to this, maybe you're on a run, maybe you're sitting in a car, sitting at home, whatever. Um, I hope the main thing that you realize listening right now is that you are accepted. Period. And that's it. And we'll go from there. You know, we'll just, let's see what happens. Thank you, everyone. Remember, through grace, from that which we don't understand that is greater than us, we are accepted. Each other, our enemies, everybody. And you are accepted. And grace is the greatest anarchy of all. Peace. Love you guys. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.